Talking to guys, how are you? Good. Are you in the corner? <laughs> Mocking. Yes, I'm I hiding just in want my to make sure corner. How many, how many people are I'm sitting around li- you? I'm in the library. Nice. <laughs> Uh, could be worse. You could be in an elevator on the phone having to well, do this. Well, the other if, I were to, if, if I were to go through the doors right next to me yeah. and hide behind those, they'd probably call the cops and throw me out. Oh, so, security. Wow. Yes. Okay. 5-0 so, in Berea. So, Daryl. A lot, 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 lot of top secret stuff going on oh. where they're storing the trunks. Deshaun Watson just said he saw, felt significant improvement from week one to week two. And he still has a heck of a long way to go to get to where he wants to be. And he doesn't want to get to 2020. He wants to improve on that. I thought that was an interesting assessment by him, looking at his own play, sometimes more than you get from most players when they talk about themselves and their play. No lies detected on this end. <laughs> uh, I mean, um, yeah, I, I mean, he, look, he, he was better in Cincinnati, no question about it, but still not uh, at the level that the Browns need him to be or at the level that he is accustomed to, uh, to, to being at, uh, as he, uh, you know, spoke about, uh, he's not putting a timetable on it um, because he feels that that obviously would kind of throw him off even further if, if he did, but um, you know, it's another opportunity Saturday for him to take a, uh, another step forward. And uh you know, hopefully they can finish off more drives because that's we, we've seen them now be able to move the ball, right? But they're just they're not finishing drives and scoring points uh, offensively. So I, I think that w- when you look at uh, an incremental timeline uh, or you know step by step process, I think the next step for Deshaun is finish off more of those drives and get points on the scoreboard. That should be the next goal uh, for him. Daryl, are we playing for this dreaded line? I'm playing for tape, or guys are playing yes. for tape right now. Is that where we are John right Johnson now? Johnson said that. Yeah, yeah I yeah. know. Yeah, welcome to welcome to Cleveland Browns football in December. Like, that's, yeah, it's what it I is. I mean, there's a month to go in the season, right? I mean, uh, it's just, yeah, it, there's four games left. That is so depressing. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I mean, it's there was you know so many uh, expectations not only internally but uh, externally, and once again, it's a, another year of unfulfilled expectations. And so now, uh, I mean, they're mathematically still alive. Uh, so, you know, as they say, so you're telling me there is a chance. But that being said, I don't know. Um, you know, it, other than playing for, for pride or playing to get Deshaun on track or playing to put some good tape out there, either for Andrew Berry to look at to bring a guy back or, uh, you know, for them to hit free agency uh, in the spring. I mean, that's well, I mean that's just where we're at in, in the season. It's unfortunate, but that's kind of the reality. But, hey, they're going to be in white face masks this weekend. So that, oh, oh, that's they cool. got that going for them. Uh, do, cool. do you want me to give me the four songs you can pick from, too? Do you want to do that? <laughs> you know, nothing, nothing says throwback to me like a white face mask on the same helmet you wore in 1967. <laughs> hey, you know what? No, no complaints here. Actually, I, I like the white face mask. I'm just glad they didn't go to the gray. Gray never seemed to make sense to me. White? That absolutely makes sense. And saw them in the lockers today. They look pretty sharp. 
Daryl Ryder is joining all, us. He's our Browns beat reporter. All shiny and new, Jeff. Yeah, well, Daryl, there you go, right? Uh, if, yeah. If I had told you that going into the 14th game of the season, the Browns starting linebackers on the depth chart would be Deion Jones, <laughs> Reggie Ragland, and Tony Fields, you would tell me what? Uh, it's been a long season, and it's not going to get any shorter. <laughs> I mean, it's unfortunate. that they, I mean, I... I I think we, I mean, we, uh, for whatever reason, we, we have seen this, whether it's been on the defensive line or the offensive line, or even in the, in the secondary, just, it's just, it's one of the weird things about football that when you have those type of injuries and it just, unfortunately that particular position group has just been decimated uh, with injuries. Now, JOK's he's lost for the season because he, he's going to, you know, on IR, miss four games. There's only four games left. But, you know, four linebackers done for the year on IR, I, that's that's a tough pill to swallow. It, it really is. Um, it, it's nobody's fault. You know, it's one of those things that if it's out of their control, they just have to tuck and roll with those type of punches and whatnot. But um, it really is un- unfortunate that they uh, – you know, they've had those injuries. You know, Anthony Walker was their season veteran in the middle of the defense, right? And then they were, you know, going to turn things over when he went down to Jacob Phillips. And then what happens? Jacob Phillips gets hurt. And, okay, Sione Takitaki steps in and into a new position, and he starts playing well and, and, and making some plays. And then he gets hurt, right? And then JOK is, like, pretty much the only guy left on the uh, in that position group that you're like, hey, you know, and he's a guy that I don't want to say the Ravens. The Ravens are the reason why they drafted JOK, but the Ravens are the reason they drafted JOK. <laughs> and he's now, uh, you know, hurt. So it, it is unfortunate. Um, and again, it, it's nobody's fault. It's just one of those things. I mean, we've seen a couple of flashes from Tony Fields, but nothing nearly as consistent as they need to be. You know, Deion Jones. You know, they got him from Atlanta, and it's just as a reminder, there's a reason the players are available. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it it's been a tough year in the linebacker room for sure. Uh, are the coaches worried, or should they be worried, or is it mythical that the outside world thinks that the coaches should be worried? Well, I mean, I my – I certainly am not advocating for him to make changes because I just, I don't know what's out there that's going to be better that fits within the Haslam ownership group structure. Um, they, they like to be involved in day-to-day operation. And I, I understand it. I get it. I, I'm not saying that sarcastically or as a criticism that just, it, it, you know, that that's how they, they have chosen to uh, run the franchise and that, a couple of coaches that I would consider bringing in a Jim Harbaugh or a Sean Payton, if available, like, I don't feel like those guys fit in to the, um, uh, you know, fit into that type of a, a structure. So then, you know, the question becomes, okay, if you do make a change with the head coach, do you have to change out the GM too? Do you have to make other additional changes in the front office too? on top of that. And then once you get through all those questions and then it becomes, well, who do you bring in? And honestly, like what, what's out there that's better than what you have already. And so that's why I am apprehensive about, you know, just being like, Oh, they got to fire Kevin Stefanski and move on. And he's, you know, 
yeah, the, the results have not been there. No question about it. Last year was results-based, didn't happen. This year, results-based, it's not happening. They are 10-16 and 16 in their last 26 games. That's unacceptable for the roster that they have assembled. That being said, again, if you fire people, you have to hire people to replace them. And I just I don't know that there's something out there that's better. I don't think that the Browns are going to be better served by bringing in yet another unproven coordinator dude for his first head coaching opportunity. If they make a change, what they need is an accomplished, seasoned head coach if they go that route. And I just don't think that accomplished, seasoned head coach would fit in with the current management structure. Darrell, that makes perfect sense. And yesterday we had Jason LaCanfora on the show, Nick Costos, who, who's gambling is, is you know, obviously what he does the most, but also looks at the league through those eyes. And they both thought it was kind of a preposterous idea that you would fire Kevin Stefanski. And I mm-hmm. thought, okay, that, those are outsiders with you know, no real interest. And I thought, okay, that's, that's interesting because so many people in our town you know, are, are one way or the other pretty adamant about the subject. So I think your thoughts are are really right on the money. Right. And and I think that what you do um, is, you know, they have to make a determination if they need to change a couple of coordinators out. Right. And Daryl, whose call is that? Is that Kevin's or is that staff? It it should be Kevin's. It it should be Kevin's. But, you know, in pre-first defense, hey, this, the special teams return unit has vastly improved in the last couple of weeks here. Right. Uh, for Joe Woods, the defense has played well uh, here recently. So, it, again, it's easy for us to sit here in, you know, in our spot and be like, hey, they should fire this guy, this guy, this guy, whatever. But, you know, that's us. Just because we're talking about that does not mean that that's how the, you know, the organization uh, feels. And you can't – these can't be emotional. They're emotional decisions – and emotional conversations for fans and for us, but they can't be emotional conversations for the organization because the emotional reaction to the fact that they're 10 and 16 in these last 26 games is to fire everybody. That's the emotional reaction, right? Team's not playing up to expectation. Uh, the, the talent has not been maximized, so go ahead and fire everyone. But then, it, then the reality is, okay, you, you, you got that shot of adrenaline because you fired everybody and you're feeling real good about yourself. And then the reality sets in, okay, now what do we do? How do we make this organization better? How do we bring in better people than what we've had uh, here before? So I I think that this is a situation where um, they're going to weather the storm and that Kevin Stefanski will be back next year. Andrew Berry will be back next year. Again, barring some unforeseen developments here over the next four weeks. But as we, we talk right now, I think they're back. And they weather the storm, and you go into next year, though, with the Bunsen burner already on the hot yeah. seat there, and you say, okay, we, you had two years, right? Baker in 2021, the, the whole Deshaun transition in 2022, we're expecting results here in 2023. And then if the results don't come, then we have to look at changes. I just, I feel that's just my gut feeling and my read on the current situation. Daryl, thank you, buddy. Appreciate Thanks, Daryl. You bet, guys. Daryl Ryder, whispering in the corner, out in Berea, doing a nice job of it.